Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Big Happy Life podcast for 2021. I know a lot of people are really happy to see the back of 2020, but I'm quite a big believer in day-by-day living, and I don't think suddenly that the year has switched from 20 to 21, that suddenly things are going to get better. I think we have to work at that. I think it's up to us, individually and collectively, to make the effort that it takes to live our big happy lives. And I think the effort it takes and the skills it takes to do that vary depending on what you're facing in your life situation. So for the majority of us right now, things aren't really brilliant. The threat of coronavirus is still looming strong and large. We're not allowed to move around freely or see our loved ones, at least not in the UK anyway. Tensions are rising, anxiety is rising, and even the positive people are getting a little bit fed up. In these sorts of circumstances, it would be easy to argue that it's not really possible to be particularly happy. And I don't know about you, but if somebody tells me to just be positive and look on the bright side, it kind of makes me want to punch them in the face. I know I shouldn't joke about violence, and I obviously wouldn't do it. But that inner eye roll, that's what I'm talking about. That sense of, oh God, give me a break. That's how I feel when things are really tough and people tell me to smile or be positive. So my hope is that if you feel the same way, then this episode might actually contain something useful for you. It's part of a five-day mini-series, so it's not something I've done before. There will be an episode per day. Of course, you can download and listen to them at your leisure. But the idea is that if you listen to each of these episodes, one per day for five days, and you do the things I talk about in these episodes, I believe you'll be happier. And the reason I believe it is because these are the things I do, and they make me feel happier. They increase that feeling of being in control of my emotions, not to the point where I can control what I feel, but to the point where I can control the experience of what I feel. The things I'm going to share with you in these episodes have also helped me to recognize how amazingly good my perfectly ordinary life is. And despite all the stresses and all the frustrations, how much I have to be grateful for and how much really works in my favor, how much good there is all around, all the time. For many years, I didn't notice that. And not a lot's changed between those years and this year. In fact, I would say 2020 was a pretty good year for me, despite the fact that we were on lockdown for almost the whole of it. And I had to homeschool a five-year-old and an 11-year-old simultaneously, in the same year that I gave up wine. I mean, come on, that should have been a bad year, right? There was so much going on last year that was wrong and frustrating and scary. And I think there's more to come this year. I think we all are going to have to be really resilient. And my original plan was to create a kind of five-day challenge where I was going to put content together, workbook with it, do Q&As live every single day so that I could interact with you, answer your questions, help you figure out how to put in practice some of the things that I'll be talking about. But now that we're facing another lockdown and the probability of homeschooling, I don't think that's going to work out. And so I've gone for a different approach and decided to just make the content available to you via the podcast and then run the challenge separately in February, by which point you'll have heard these five episodes. You'll know if it's something that's of interest to you. And then you could take it up a level by downloading the workbook, joining the Q&A sessions, getting kind of live feedback on the things you're trying and being able to then implement some of the things that we're talking about. But for now, let's dive into day one. And this is all about fattening up the good moments. Let's get started. When I 
deliver corporate training, I often talk to leaders about the balance between positive and negative. And the study that was done quite a while ago that illustrated that in order to have a positive team with a really good dynamic, you need in the region of about five positive interactions to balance out a negative interaction. Now, positive interaction could be as simple as a thank you, a comment about work well done, involving somebody because you value their opinion, any of those sorts of things count as positives. And you need in the region of five of those just to counteract, to balance out a single negative interaction. And negative interactions can be just as small because we are hyper aware of them. It could be excluding somebody from a meeting they feel they should attend, failing to notice when they've done something, gone out of their way to help you, having differences of opinion where one party feels they haven't been heard or listened to. And you know the amazing thing when I talk to people about work and the positive and negative interactions they have? If I ask them to list all the things they find positive in the workplace, they can usually come up with a list, maybe 10 or 15 things. The things that knock them, we can get upwards of 50, 60. I think it has something to do with the fact that there's a lot of commonality when you get a group of people together and you ask them for these lists. There's a lot of commonality in the good things, in the positive things, but they're also really vague because we inherently don't give them as much thought space. And that's kind of where I'm going with this. You ask people to list the negatives and they're much more specific. And what's really interesting is that usually the things that are top of people's lists are whatever they're missing at the moment. So... If I asked you to make a list of the things that really bug you right now, either at work or at home, the things that will be top of the list are the things that are front of your mind right now. If I ask you in a year, that list potentially would vary if you're interacting with different people or doing different things, and therefore the things that you are hyper aware of are going to change. Now, I share this with you because everything I'm talking about here fits under the heading of negativity bias. All of us have a negativity bias, which is why we need so much more positive to counteract a little bit of negative because our brains scan for the negative constantly. It's part of our survival programming. There would be very little benefit in us having a brain that weighed the good stuff equally to the bad stuff, the threatening stuff, because then we would potentially miss a threat. Imagine if there was a tiger approaching you and your brain goes, wow. What a beautiful animal. Look at those stripes. Oh, those eyes. Oh my God, it's majestic. No, teeth, claws, run. There's no survival benefit in the positive. And since the number one function of your brain is to keep you alive and safe, it doesn't rate positive information particularly highly, which is why you need so much of it to counter any form of threat. It's also why when I ask people in the workplace about positive and negative experience, they talk about the positive in a kind of meh, whatever sort of way. It's vague, it's unclear, there's not a lot there. And the negative is specific. I mean, they can remember a time it's happened and they can tell you about it because it's logged. Left to its own devices, that's what your brain will do. So fattening the good is about saying, well, let's not leave our brains to their own devices then. Because while we're living in an environment where, generally speaking, we're relatively safe and relatively comfortable, maybe we need to be a bit more conscious about the good. And if you want to be happier, which I assume you do if you're listening to this, then addressing that balance is something you do need to apply some conscious effort to. Which brings me to the first tip of the five days, which is fatten up the good. 
And this basically involves letting the good things in your life occupy more space in your thoughts and more space in your words. Talk about them more. Write them down. Think about them. Enjoy them again. Reflect on them. So when you go back over your day, instead of thinking about the stuff that went wrong or the stuff that irritated you or the things you did wrong and you're unhappy about, you focus on the wins. You focus on the moments where something went your way. Even if it's just green traffic lights or the fact that your kid listened to you the first time you asked him to put his shoes on. It doesn't matter what you pick. It matters that you pick things. If you think about it this way, our brains are almost constantly occupied by thought and left to their own devices, those thoughts will turn more negative most of the time. So in situations where things are quite easily overwhelming, stressful or negative, your brain could be full all the time of stuff that's going to stress you out and that's going to make you feel miserable. And very often those things are going to be outside your control. And I know it's boring, it's really boring to talk about coronavirus, but that is the perfect example. Because it has shifted the ground beneath all of us, and it's something that feels outside of our control. Two things that generally are associated with quite high levels of stress. And even with the vaccine on the horizon, it looks like coronavirus is here for the foreseeable future, and that's what makes it the perfect example to work with, because we still have a bit of a roller coaster ride ahead of us. But what that feels like, what it feels like to be you, what it feels like to be me, is going to be determined by how we think, which experiences we dwell on and talk about and remember. And that's why I wanted to use the coronavirus as an example, because I want to go backwards to the first lockdown last year. I said to you at the beginning of this episode that 2020 was a pretty good year for me. But that's only because I chose to think about it that way and I chose to remember it that way. I made a conscious effort every single day to pay attention to the good moments because they were always there, but it was so easy to become overwhelmed by the bad ones. I'm fairly certain I cried most days. There was one day actually where I was sitting with my children <laughs> and I actually started crying at the table while we were supposed to be doing schoolwork and I went, I have a job I love. I don't want to be your teacher. Well, they both sat there staring at me, really unsure about how to navigate the situation of mommy losing it. There were so many of those moments. But had I let them become my focus, I wouldn't be sitting here telling you that that period of time was wonderful. Because without conscious effort, it was so easy to become overwhelmed by the stressful elements of things and the stuff that was outside of my control. And for a little while, right at the beginning, before I took control, I was overwhelmed by that stuff. And I ended up having to actively remove some of the negative triggers like the news and coronavirus numbers because I was obsessed with that stuff for a while. So fattening up the good sometimes also means taking control of what's coming at you, the information that you're paying attention to that's coming from outside you. If you're facing something really challenging, you're facing something that feels like it has the capacity to overwhelm you, there's never a better time to fatten the good. And it really is an active process. But I think once you see that your spirit and your mind are both strong enough to sustain whatever's coming at you, and that you can still find the good in those moments, I think you begin to see them differently and you begin to see yourself differently. And there's power in that. 
The reason I say that lockdown was wonderful is because it was the first time our family genuinely connected. My kids are adopted. My daughter was seven when I met her. My son was 17 months old. So particularly for my daughter, we had six weeks with her before she went to school. And from that point, almost all of our time together became about kind of life admin stuff. Snacks and meals and baths and school stuff, homework, all that sort of thing. So aside from the first six weeks we had together, at which point none of us really knew each other and we were all terrified, we haven't had any proper, genuine time together. Even the school holidays were more about kind of playdates and getting her together with her friends or going to see mums and playgroups with my son. This was months of just us. And when I was overwhelmed and stressed, I wasn't using it. And I was well aware that what was actually going to happen was that I was going to look back on this opportunity and know that I had missed it. So when I started to fatten the good, when I started to pay attention to the tiny little things, the five minutes where my son would sit still and do something with his schoolwork that his teachers had sent, or the times when my daughter and I would connect and laugh instead of her feeling stressed, giving those moments extra weight gave me extra strength. And so as things progressed, we started doing things like singing assemblies. We opened a tuck shop. We brought their toys down to school with us. We did forest school and we turned baking into a science experiment. And all of that stuff came out of nightly focus on the little wins of the day, the things that made me smile or made them smile, the things that we would say, yeah, that was great. What was the best part of today? I love this. I love that. Ooh, can we do that again? We used to have those conversations at the dinner table to try and buoy up the good stuff and make that the focus. And so even if you ask my kids about that time, they'll say the same. It was great fun. My daughter actually wants to be homeschooled now, but that's another story. So that's day one's advice, to fatten up the good. The most obvious way to do that is a very popular way in positive psychology, which involves keeping a gratitude journal. And you can write in it every night or every morning just to write some of the things you're grateful for in the previous 24 hours. Now, if you've never done this before, it's worth noting that it often feels like quite a hollow experience when you are writing a gratitude journal. I really didn't like doing it when I first started, but it was a game changer because even though it felt really hollow and quite forced when I first started doing it, what I didn't realize it would do was change how I saw the moments of my life as they unfolded. It made me more able to notice the little good things when they happened because I would think, oh yeah, I can write about that later. And now I've reached the point where I don't have to write every day because it started to become quite a natural thing that I notice the little moments that I have on a day-to-day -day basis as they're happening. And so I only really use a gratitude journal if I feel like I'm kind of erring on the side of the negativity bias again and therefore need to fatten the good, need to actively and consciously do something to redress the balance. So that's one of the reasons why I would say, even if it feels to you to be a bit hollow, stick with it because there's every possibility that the habit of keeping a gratitude journal will ultimately change the way you think in the moment. So you begin to notice them right then in the moment. So you end up almost deepening the experience as you have it. Like your kid looks up at you and smiles and you realize, gosh, I'm so grateful for this moment. 
The other thing you can do that makes a difference is talk about those experiences. So instead of your stories being the ones where things are a bit rubbish or things have gone a bit wrong, you also share, or instead of those stories, share the good stuff, the little moments that made you smile or that gave you that warm feeling that made you think, gosh, this is really nice. This is a really interesting one, actually, because I'm willing to bet that if you start paying close attention to the conversations you have with people and you notice the stories that people share with you, you find the negativity bias absolutely rife. And it's so much easier to moan and complain and to talk about all the things that are wrong because those are the patterns that we're used to in our conversations. But Brené Brown put it perfectly in Rising Strong when she spoke about how most of us bitch and moan about everyday life and then something big and catastrophic happens and all we want, we would give anything to have everyday life back. And so that's the final way to think about how to fatten up the good is instead of doing it from a gratitude perspective, do it from a what do I stand to lose perspective. Now, depending on how you experience worry or anxiety, this may not be a very good one for you if it's going to stress you out. But it's basically the simple act of looking down instead of looking up. In other words, instead of looking at all the things that you aspire to have, the things you don't have and that you want, the things that are not going right and that you want to change, you look down at the things that could be worse, the things you stand to lose, the things that you ultimately can be grateful for and then make an effort to notice them right then in the moment when they're happening. So to summarize, start with a gratitude journal if it's not something you already do. Talk about and think about the good stuff, even if you don't write it down. Just let it come to your mind more and notice it in the moment when you have little wins that ultimately you might forget or still chalk the entire experience up to something that's negative to notice that parts of it are actually pretty good and that things are going quite well. And doing just that will tip the balance a little bit more in the favor of the good, which ultimately allows you to experience greater happiness because you have more on which to base it to recognize how good life actually is in the grand scheme of things. On top of that, and as long as it doesn't stress you out, you can make a habit of looking down, of recognizing all the things you stand to lose and therefore can appreciate while you have them. A silly example of this, every single time I go into the loft, I recognize what a privilege it is that my muscles are still strong enough for me to climb that ladder to hoist my body into the loft space and then to get down safely once I've done whatever I need to do up there. The same when I exercise or when I have to park really far away from something that I need to get to and I can walk the rest of the way. Without the conscious choice to recognize these things, we take them for granted and they are not to be taken for granted. There is so much. If you look around at that level, at quite how much you have that can never be underestimated, it's really easy to find things to be grateful for. And from that perspective, it's really easy to fatten the good. So that's the tip for day one. Now, when it comes to happiness, you can approach it from two sides. We've looked at it from the more positive side of fattening the good, but tomorrow what we're gonna look at is coming at it from the other side of removing the obstacles that get in the way of your happiness. So dealing with some of the more negative emotions and negative experiences 
And actually, we're going to play with that terminology over the five days as well, this whole positive negative business. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends, anyone who you think would benefit from hearing this, or possibly would be a great conversation partner so you have somebody that you can talk to so you can both fatten the good. Then share this episode with them, maybe send a personal note. Of course, it's great for the podcast, but it's also great for you and for the person you share it with. Because ultimately, you're both more likely to put this kind of thing into practice if you're doing it together. As always, if you have comments or questions, visit the show notes page. You can find that at bighappylife.co.uk. And you can also join the Facebook group, which you can find at Big Happy Life page. And you can post comments or questions in there anytime. I hope you found the episode useful and I hope you'll come back tomorrow. For now though, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.